Hi, everyone. Welcome to the B++ podcast, a podcast that can potentially change your life. Trust me on that. Now, if you don't trust me, then I'll talk to you about trust today more than anything else. Trust is the most important thing. Today, we have a very special guest who happens to be an absolute expert in the field of trust. David Horsager, who's the CEO of Trust Edge Leadership Institute, trust expert in residence at High Point University, and Wall Street Journal bestselling author of The Trust Edge. He also has a new book called Trusted Leader, Eight Pillars That Drive Results. So you have heard the word trust a lot. So we'll be talking a lot about trust and how trust can change your life and your business or whatever else you plan to do. David, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much. Great to be here, Abhi. Yeah, absolutely delighted to have you here. And, you know, I obviously believe, you know, all my life that, you know, it's so important to have that trust. It's so important to have, you know, that trust that, you know, employees should believe in the employer, you know, employers should believe in their employees. We should believe in each other. But, you know, there are a lot of misconceptions. You know, the first thing, you know, before I even jump into it is the fact that it's such an important part of our lives, right? Relationships, you know, everything that we do, you know, we can't trust anybody about the price of anything. So first things first, of all the specializations in the world, how and why did you choose to be a trust expert? And what was that journey like? Well, when I started, you know, I, I, in my grad, before my graduate work, I was seeing that people would say they had a leadership issue. And I'm like, ah, it looks like a trust issue. Uh, they got a sales issue. Well, it looks like a sales, you know, trust issue. And it was just intuitive at first. I was like, that's not the real issue. It's a trust issue. That led to my graduate work. It became kind of interesting to people much more important than me. Mm -hmm. That led to some uh, us using it in organizations. And we saw this one organization, we dropped attrition by millions of dollars in nine months. And then we, mm -hmm. and then we used it and this person said they tripled sales in 90 days. And then we said this, you know, and the one thing led to another. And the re then we started doing ongoing out of the Institute uh, annual research studies. And I kept showing trust was always the leading indicator. Everything else lagged. So you have people say, oh, it's, you know, Today, I believe more than ever, the core issue is always a trust issue. Everything of value is built on trust from the greatest financial institutions to, to every good relationship we have. It is never at the core a leadership issue. The reason I follow a leader or not is trust. It's never a sales issue. The reason I buy or not has something to do with it. It's not a learning issue. The reason, you know, the only way to increase learning in a classroom is increase trust either in the teacher, the content, or the environment, the psychological safety or trust, you know. The only way to amplify a marketing message is increased trust in the message. The only way to increase innovation on a team is increased trust so people are willing to share ideas. So we kept seeing that trust, a lack of trust was actually the biggest cost in an organization. Right. And that led to, you know, my graduate work, it led to the work we do in organizations around the world. Corruption issues in East Africa, New York Yankees sports team, the, you know, universities and some of the biggest companies in the world from Toyota to Walmart and, and so on. Then we started using it and case studies kept being built like our work, you know, now this framework we created, universities have backed up that that is the way trust is built globally. Passion and it changed me along the way. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I mean, and, and that's a wonderful point that you made, right? Organizations are always sort of diagnosing what's, uh, you know, going wrong. And usually, uh, you know, it's always about, oh, there's something wrong with the leadership. Like you mentioned, there's something wrong with the sales or marketing. We are not able to reach out to that. So now in your book, you mentioned that, you know, all of these uh, problems, they can all be covered under the eight pillars. So what are these eight pillars? 
So the eight pillars. So first of all, you know, we have this case, and I can tell more about how trust affects the bottom line. But then we said, if trust is so important, how do you actually build it? Well, it kept coming down to these eight. They, they start with C's in the book for clarity, but they really are each a research funnel they represent. And they are the way trust is built globally. So number one is clarity. People trust the clear and they mistrust or distrust the ambiguous or the overly complex. Right. Number two is compassion. We trust those that care beyond themselves. I have a hard time being accountable to someone or trusting someone who doesn't care at all beyond themselves. Number three is character. We trust those that do what's right over what's easy. Not just simple integrity, but character. You know, people say, oh, character's built by 12 years old. There are, that's not true. Companies are built, um, it, many companies actually fail because they incentivize a lack of character in their sales organization. Or in fact, certain countries losing their GDP because of incentives for bribery. Right. So uh, the next pillar is competency. Mm -hmm. And this pillar would have a lot to do with why I trust you, Abby, to, give, to take my kids to the game, but not give me brain surgery. Right. Because you're trusted in compassion and character, but not in competency to do that one thing. So if you're still leading the way you were, selling the way you were, or teaching the way you were 20 years ago, I don't trust you. You got to be competent, relevant, capable. Mm. Next pillar is commitment. We trust those that stay committed even in the face of adversity. So if you think of somebody who's left a legacy in history or in your life, Gandhi, Jesus, Joan of Arc, you know, Martin Luther King, Mandela, they were committed to something beyond themselves and they were trusted for it. And um, under this pillars, we find the framework for how you rebuild trust. The next pillar is connection, the ability to connect and collaborate with others. And when we, re when we look at an organization, we will see counter forces to trust. And under this pillar, you would see the counter force of maybe siloing or an unwillingness to share. And then we know we have a connection issue. The next pillar is contribution. Really the, the key words that come under this research funnel would be results, outcomes, performance. So you've got to contribute results. If I'm going to trust you, you can't just have compassion character. You got to contribute results that I expected or asked for or paid for. And the final pillar is consistency. The only way to build a reputation as a person is consistency. The only way to build a brand as a company is consistency, sameness every day. In fact, for good or bad, you're trusted. If you're late all the time to a meeting, I will trust you, in fact, to be late, right? So that's a glimpse at this framework. And under each of these pillars, there's a whole lot of ways that you actually build the pillars of trust. Right. That's great. I mean, the eight C's and, and I, I learned a few uh, new ones. I mean, I've always been a big fan of, uh, you know, clarity, compassion and consistency. Yeah. But, you know, I think uh, there's a lot more out there and definitely we'll uh, read through that. And that's that's very exciting. I've, I've made a note of all eight of them here. Can't wait to learn more about them. So, you know, our listeners are mostly, like I mentioned, people who run big organizations or startups or aspiring entrepreneurs. So, you know, what are some of the problems that you see, trust problems that you see, or the lack of trust that you see, or how can you sort of build more trust as a leader, as a founder, as somebody who's leading an entire organization? What are some of the challenges that you have observed and what can a leader sort of do to address some of those? Well, it's a complex question because I believe everything is always a trust issue. So we use this, we cascade this language and, and solutions throughout massive global organizations. Right. We also use it in individuals. Well, starting with you, because as you know, organizations don't change, only individuals do. Right. So when an individual does, then a team and organization can. So that leader can start to think, 
uh, you know, let me look at these eight. I mean, they can use, they can leverage any of them. Let me tell you something to give context though. Let's talk about what it's not first. People think it's an engagement issue or engagement, solve engagement. The problem is the research shows the only way to increase engagement is increase trust. The right. same with referrals. We want to, uh, if you've ever heard of a net promoter score, we right. want a higher score, but the problem is the only way to get more referrals is increased trust. The same with, oh, people will joke with me, David, you love C words. Isn't it ever a communication issue? And of course the answer is it never at the core ever is a communication issue. You see, it's the type. And that's why you can solve against these eight. Clear communication is trusted, clarity. Right. Unclear communication isn't. Compassionate communication is trusted. Hateful communication isn't. High character is, low character isn't. So when people get these eight, and of course we contextualize them for how you use them around the world, right. even in certain spaces, but, but these, so you can use any of these eight. So I could take as a leader, I might, you know, think about clarity of mission, or I might think of clarity of, of uh, there's a whole lot of what I could take any of them and we could, we could build clarity, uh, you know, build the pillar. So um, I'll, I'll give a few things a leader could think about right now. So maybe you're a manager, maybe you're managing people. One way to think about clear expectations would be a simple idea. I call it ODC. When you ask for something, have you been clear about the O outcome? What's the outcome of what you want? Not how, not how to do everything. You hire good people, but what's the outcome? Right. D, what's the deadline? Most leaders don't share a deadline because they're afraid of conflict when not giving a deadline will ensure they have more conflict. Right. The C is clarifiers. Are we clear about this? Are you clear? Am I clear? And give space for clarifying questions. That little process helps an immense amount of clarity happen in a manager's to expectations. Maybe another idea, under the character pillar, you might think, how would I build trust? Well, there's several ways, but one idea I would say as a leader is, ask this question, would you follow you? Mm. There's a lot of leaders that I'm, I'm speaking in front of sometimes thousands and thousands of people. And I see other speakers before me. They'll speak and then I'll, afterwards I'll see them drunk at the bar. They're more loved by the people that don't know them by the, than by the people closest to them. I wanna be most loved and respected by those close to me that know me. That's a trusted leader. Maybe another question for, for the leader under the character pillar would be, is there any way our company is incentivizing a lack of the character we wanna have? Maybe our sales incentive program is incentivizing more sales, but actually lower character, which will bite us later. Maybe we're worried about rebuilding trust. That would come under commitment. How do you rebuild trust once you've lost trust? Well, there's only one way. And even though we have a 10 step process, if you're a big company with an oil spill, whether you're a big company or an individual, it actually comes down to one thing. And that is you gotta make and keep a new commitment. It's never the apology. Right. We have people say, I'm sorry, I'm late. No, you're not, you're late every single day. Yeah. You, doesn't mean you don't have to apologize. That opens the door of communication, but the only way to rebuild trust would be to make and keep a new commitment. So I could go through all of them and we could think, think of each of them has ways that you can individually build it and there are ways that organization can build it. Right. I mean, again, there's so many wonderful things you've shared. There are so many valuable insights in terms of, you know, again, I could sort of uh, look back at hundreds of incidents and individuals I've worked with or companies that I've worked with who incentivize uh, the lack of character, you know, the time that we have probably tried to take that difficult decision of not doing that and sometimes ended up feeling like a fool because we didn't see the results in the short run and all of those things. And then, you know, people who are late, 
I think ODC is going to be my new favorite thing. Of course, I mean, I think I've been doing outcome and deadlines quite well, but I think there is more room for clarifiers, like you mentioned. So there's a lot, you know, to be learned as, you know, running an organization. Now, let's say, you know, somebody who's listening is just uh, thinking about, okay, where do I stand, you know, as an organization, right? As a leader, as an overall organization. So what would be the best way to sort of kickstart that process, you know, that trust building process across different domains, different departments, different sort of practices within the same business? Is there like a quick sort of diagnostic check or audit of where you are and how do you get started? So I'll tell you what, we'll email you if you'd like, David at trustedge.com, or you can put it in the show notes and sure. ask for the the pulse diagnostic. We have six ways we measure trust in organizations. Right. We, we have an enterprise trust index, which is built on 30 years of Accenture data and my graduate work for big governments and organizations, right. all the way down to a self-assessment right. and team assessments and customer assessments. And by the way, there are folks in Singapore that are certified in our work. We could connect you with with folks, or if anybody wants to get certified in this sure. trusted work, I'd be I'd love to help with you know with that because we'd love some more people to impact the world in that part of the world. But the pulse diagnostic that I'm going to send you is a simple three questions under each of the eight pillars that is just conversational. And just by asking the questions and saying, where am I one out of 10 on this? Where am I one out of 10 on this? And just with your heart, just kind of thinking, it's not validated online assessment like all of our other work, Mm -hmm. but it's something I could give you to think, because we're always going to assess against those eight pillars, because those are the research-based, we know it's one of those issues or a multitude, you know? So in fact, they can interrelate, by the way. So you could say, well, I got, we got clarity down. I'm clear about the vision. I've been clear at the annual meeting. But because you don't share it consistently every 21 or 14 days, nobody knows it, so they don't act by it. So and in fact, you lost clarity because you don't have consistency, right? right? Or you could say, we don't have commitment here. You might directly not have commitment, but you might not have, people don't feel cared about compassion, so they're not committed. So you, anyway, you could, one way of assessing is against you know, those eight. So that would, would be it would be using that diagnostic. Another thing, if you ne- if you don't want to email or reach out, would be to just think of, how, we always think of what's the root issue? What is the root issue? So let's say, you know, we're down on sales. Well, what one of these pillars, if we build that pillar with the audience, whoever it is, what if we did something about that for the next 90 days would have the greatest impact? Because it always directly is one of those, right? And then we'd say, uh, I would go into an organization, I'd want to build a common language around the eight pillars. And then I would want to give tools they can use tomorrow morning, not theory, not just research, but tools like ODC. Or I'll give you another quick one. Under the compassion pillar, we know that the number one reason people leave an organization in most parts of the world is not being appreciated, okay? Where especially in where they have enough income to have a living wage, okay? And up. Number one reason people leave is is not having uh, not being appreciated. So how do we appreciate people? How do we really appreciate people? Well, we learned one of the best ways to appreciate people. Here's another little acronym, and that's SPA. Be specific. You know what we specificity breeds credibility, right? So right. if I just say good job, that's that's okay. But right. if I say I noticed when you did that, and that made a big difference in us getting this contract, right? Way more important, right? Specific. specific. 
Mm. Now, the P is personalize it if you can. It's okay to get the award at the annual meeting, but mm. if you could personalize it, give a handshake, a clear message, even a handwritten note that's personalized, much better. Right. And A in spa is authentic. If it's not authentic or sincere, we can smell it 100 miles away. So, right. you know, so, so that's one simple idea. Another idea that might be interesting would be clarity blur, and that is the critical word, the top three questions that actually drive strategic clarity or take an idea to an action are not the why, the why is good to have purpose, not the who, that's good to have the right who's on the team, but the key three questions that actually take an idea to an action. Number one is how. Number two is more important, it is how. And number three is the most important, it is how. Right. I'm telling you, this is actually revolutionary if you get it, because people, if they, you've got to ask how at least three times. How you can do that, how you can do that, until you can act on it today or tomorrow. You drill down until you can act that. So this little process, if people really get it, people have used this process to triple sales in 90 days. Mm. And I can tell people personally, I lost 52 pounds. I'm not sure what that would be in kilograms um, in five months with this method of getting clear on the how. Uh -huh. So it, people stop too early and you have to ask how until you will do it today or tomorrow. So some people say, oh, we need a better culture in our organization. Oh, that's too big. How are you going to do that? Uh, we're going to be nice. Right. Okay. How are you going to do that? We're going to appreciate people. Good idea. How are you going to do that? Until someone tells me they're going to write appreciation note every day for the next 90 days, I don't trust them. Right. right? So I got to get healthy. I'm going to eat less. How are you going to do that? I'm going to take in less calories. How are you going to do that? Instead of drinking a Coca-Cola, I'm going to drink a glass of water. Now I've got something. Right. How am I going to get more sales? I'm going to call people. Okay, you could do that anyway. How are you going to call people? I'm going to get a list. How are you going to get a list? I'm going to do that until I'm going to do something today or tomorrow. How, 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 how? That is the key word that takes an idea to an action, the real key word that gets clarity. Yeah, that's wonderful. I mean, just uh, that's the stumbling block in my fitness goals, I'm sure. Yeah, I you know. Have I do, just... You have to get to something you will do. You know, your yeah. final how. Yeah. It's just like if someone said, I can never have ice cream again, it's just yeah. not going to happen. Right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, which is what I keep telling, you know, our team as well. I said, you know, that if you want to do something, just be very specific about how you're going to do it and don't have your goals as, you know, I'm going to be a better human being, right? It doesn't really mean anything. So, so yeah, that's wonderful. So, David, there are organizations in different sort of stages of their journey. So, for instance, obviously, like you mentioned, the oil spill. Now, that's a great example. And, you know, of course, like you mentioned, that the apology is not going to do it because, you know, it's about making a new commitment and then sticking to it. And of course, you know, you talked about, you know, net promoter scores and all of those things which are becoming so important in today's digital age. Now, let's say for a new organization, a startup, right? So they are just starting off and they have the biggest challenge, obviously, in terms of retaining talent, first even hiring the right people and then retaining talent. And the second thing is they don't have existing customers to sort of write them very healthy testimonials or something. So how can they, from the beginning, build that culture of trust and organization that's built on trust so that they can attract better people, so that they can attract customers, so that they can sort of establish themselves? Well, each of those, let you know, because I can go into any of these, we get, it seems like in our short time together, it's good to start with clarity because it's an easy one to get the grasp of. Right. For a, to get employees and retain employees, clarity about the vision of where we're headed mm. and clarity about their role in it. Right. How they can belong. People don't admit that. There's a lot of teaching about having a clear vision. There's not a lot of teaching about showing how clear, 
a clear vision for that new employee, where how they can play a part, right? Sure. That's one thing. Oh, you mentioned something else that I was thinking of that would be important here with big companies keeping people. I don't know. The testimonials. <laughs> I mean, uh, like for yeah. instance, launching a new product or a service and getting uh, you know customers to believe that it's a good product, especially if they might be more formidable sort of companies already doing something similar. Yeah. Well, you have to be clear. So the one big problem for salespeople is they're actually clear about how great they are and how long they've been in business and all this stuff, but they're not clear about the benefits of the product to this to that person. So, I mean, I would get absolutely clear about the benefits. What are the benefits to me? Why should I buy that over everything else? You've got to have, a, if you don't have a uniqueness, you got a problem. Right. So you've got to have something great. That's a competent product, you know, but you have to share the clear, clear benefits of that. But to get testimonials, just like me at the beginning, you know, we had to try some, we had to do things at lower fees. We, mm. had, to, we had to see if people would pilot things. Right. Once you got transformation, then you've got a chance because then you can share, look what we did Toyota. Now look what we did at Walmart. Now look what we did at Penn State University. Now look what we did at MIT or whatever. You know, now you can, you, you got more, but you had, you know, we didn't get uh, Penn State the first project, you know, right. <laughs> so little by little. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, you made a great point about, of course, I'm sure that uh, all the eight pillars are relevant, but like you said, the easiest to understand, especially for an organization starting out is clarity, you know, clarity of vision, clarity of what the product is, clarity of what it can do for the customer. You know, it's very important, right? So for instance, we see so many self-indulgent salespeople, like you said, who are just about, oh, just buy it and, you know, whatever I have done this and we as a company have done it. And again, there's never that uh, part about what's in it for the customer and how it's going to benefit them. And especially for a new company. So I, I've seen, you know, we work a lot with startups and, you know, sort of mentor some of them. And that so many times, uh, you know, the product narrative is lost. It's all about, oh, the founders have 25 years of experience and they have done this and they have done that in the past, but never is it about what product it is and, you know, what is it going to do for the customer? So that's very important. Again, I think one of the things that, you know, you mentioned, which was quite valuable is the fact that you know a lot of times the organizations have a clear vision of what they want to do so for instance you look at a lot of new technology companies and they are talking about how they're going to change the world democratize this democratize that but when people join you know there's lack of clarity on what their role in all of that is going to be right, right. so and and i've been guilty of that and i must uh, confess that you know there's been a grand vision for you know what our companies are doing and everything but then people come and they're like oh my god this guy is talking about something and what am i supposed to do with all his uh, uh, right. strange notions right so that's really really insightful but yeah one more one more piece here is that you can t like we want we help people if they're new if they're starting the company build the company on on the eight pillars so you can use these on any part of a company we use them in the hiring process let's make sure it's the eight pillar for for hiring are we clear about this are we showing compassion to them are we connecting are we giving are we giving them a chance to get results or marketing right. the marketing message like I can take any marketing message and I can take the pillars and say, okay, is it clear? That, is it show compassion for the people we wanna, that wanna buy? Is it our character? Does it show our competence? Is it show commitment to them to so that they wanna get, commit to us? It gives a both way. Is it, does it give a chance for them to connect with us? Does it show our result contribution? And is it consistent with our brand? Boom, I just use the pillars to have a higher trust message. It's simple right. in a way. I mean, obviously we have a little more of a framework, but that gives a simple look at how to use it. But there's a whole lot of ways we use this when we go deep for years in a company. But 
it actually can be simpler than you think. People do like to overcomplicate things. Right. Absolutely. You're, you're absolutely right. People do like to overcomplicate things. And, you know, it, it, yeah, of course, there are so many ways. And I think I would encourage a lot of startup founders to reach out to David and just, you know, see if you don't know and, you know, you are sitting on a lot of funding and you don't know what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and how you're going to build trust, especially in today's day and age when there's so much information available, there's so much fake news around, there's so much, you know, there are... There are companies that just drive, uh, you know, ahead just because of the the narrative, the use of social media and all of those things. So how do you sort of stay authentic and connect with consumer and of course with your prospective employees? So I think that's really important. And which brings me to, you know, By the way, just let me say something there. The biggest risk you have, if you're a board member, a startup or sitting on money, your biggest risk is losing trust. Right. So you have to process, you have to systemize it. It's just like in the greatest organization we work with, we actually systemize how we train everyone to apply this framework, to use this language, and to build the organization on trust. Because then if there's a consistent methodology, instead of like a kind of a one and done motivational message or whatever, then it becomes part of how we hire, how we train, how we treat employees, how we treat clients, how we, you know, yeah, absolutely. And I, yeah, I think, you know, once you lose trust and it's really, really difficult because everything's so amplified today because of so many platforms out there, before you know it, there are 500,000 tweets about what a terrible company somebody, you know, somebody's running. And so, so David, one of the things that I to do, and especially when I'm uh, speaking with experts like yourselves, is just try to, you know, get them to predict what's happening, right? So for instance, we obviously now people are talking about the, you know, the new revolution technology, uh, technologically speaking, you know, uh, for instance, people are talking about decentralized technologies, uh, you know, and, and the whole idea of decentralized technologies is like it's a trustless system as uh, you know it's called so how do you think that trust as the eight pillars is evolving within organizations and within industries and the economy in general and how do you think going forward that organizations will have to sort of maybe respond differently to their customers or their employees or do you think all these changes are going to be rather superficial i don't think changes will be superficial however I do think it will always be trust, that the notion of trustless is no way. Right. In, in fact, things that people think are trustless are actually more trust. So Bitcoin is higher trust because there's more accountability, Because mm. even though it's built in some ways, right. because it's built on redundancies and so forth. Technology that is higher trust than humans in algorithms, right? Yeah. I do also think almost every com- many companies will Almost all companies will be tech companies in a way. So our company is a tech, like the way we serve coaches, the way we measure trust, the way we do all this is measurement. Mm -hmm. However, the notion that all companies will be tech only is not true either. All healthy companies will be technology and human. It it always serves a human at the end or it's worthless. That's what, you know, so we have to amplify trust with humans and we have to amplify trust using technology. And that's what's going to happen for the successful companies. You know, people said at first, you know, here, uh, do you have Uber? Yes. So, you know, Uber uh, started here in the U.S. And and uh, people thought, well, you'll get into it with a stranger and all this kind of stuff. Mm. Of course, it wasn't trusted at first. And then they put in that you had to, in America at least, vet them and background checks and all this. And all of a sudden... It was higher trust to get in with an Uber driver than a taxi driver because there was more vetting. You knew the way Uber did it was higher 
trust, right? And right. and they got rated back and forth. And then they had GPS on everybody, so they knew where everybody, you know. So technology can actually incredibly increase trust. You think of how speedy tech trust is, even in the past. In America, the stop and go light system is unbelievably perfect. Right. Okay. And other things aren't perfect. I'm not, America is not perfect. <laughs> but in that technology system, it is almost no accidents because of a green light going when a red light should go. Like it's so redundant. So what happens? That speeds up our whole system of travel in, in, in ways that we couldn't imagine because that technology works. Now that's going to happen in new different ways from mm -hmm. Uber to Bitcoin to as you know, even newer ways. The, the problem area is you can also amplify lower trust with technology. For example, social media. It, because you people can say anything, they can lie. And because people, humans are imperfect and ungodly in many ways, they, they lie or they exaggerate or they all these things. So you can also, the one technology is just an amplifier. It can, in Bitcoin, it could amplify trust and social media it could uh, amplify distrust. You right. Know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, the way you sort of described it, uh, you know, actually dispels a lot of uh, wrong notions, right? In the sense that I've always believed that the description of uh, blockchain technology, for instance, is not trustless, right? In the sense, I think what they were trying to arrive at is the fact that you no longer have to uh, rely on one person saying something or one institution saying something. But I think what you mentioned, and beautifully so, is the fact that now there is trust in something which is even bigger, which is like, you know, maybe hundreds of thousands of nodes across the globe, and they will make sure that it's even more trustworthy and not less trustworthy. So that's been phenomenal. I've really enjoyed this conversation for all our listeners. If you want to reach out to David and build an organization on trust, you can reach out to him at trustedge.com or davidhosaga.com. And I'm sure that your organization will actually revolutionize and actually completely evolve into a trustworthy organization. Like I said, trust me on that. Uh, thank you so much, David, for being here. It was absolutely lovely chatting with you. Thank you so much, Afi.